yeah, listening to Bloom, I kind of, um, I really, really enjoyed, um, it's almost like a thinking music. Uh, I started thinking quite a bit, uh, but I was, I was listening to it while I was driving and I started having deeper thought process, just listening to the music because it sort of takes you to that place. Um, and so like soundscapes have been really big for me. Like I love, you know, creating like a, like a soundscape with my music and, Another thing that I really like with music is, uh, and I've recently been experimenting with, is how do I, as as, a, as somebody who makes music, and I'm not going to call myself a musician, be a, I, I think there's a definition for it, but I, I don't know what it is, but as a person who uh, dabbles in music, let's say, uh, how do I make other people feel something when they listen to my music. And that has been really big for me is a musical piece, even with lyrics, without lyrics, should have some sort of feeling uh, for the person who is listening to it. And so I, I got that quite a lot with your uh, album that you came out with. And yeah, soundscapes, um, I love them. I, th I think I'm experimenting with them. Uh, I mean, I'll, here, let me ask you a question now. Come on, this is my podcast now. <laughs> but but what, what what was your approach on that? Like, when, like how, how do you approach making music? Like, that, that would be the easiest one. How do you approach making music? And then also, how do you approach making an album? Because for me, albums are very interesting because we are in that singles era. Everything is a single now. Uh, and but I do love myself an actual good album. And, you know, I still don't love it as much as my wife. My wife loves albums like, you know, she loves to listen to it from start to finish. And so how do you approach having that sort of creative continuity in albums? And, you know, how do you approach writing music? Yeah. So Bloom is a specifically like different sort of thing in the way that I would normally approach an album because so Bloom is a time capsule of like from the very first thing that I made to kind of a point where I I reached a point where I was like I think I know what I'm doing now <laughs> and so Bloom started in 2013 I had gotten a audio interface and I got kind of like you, I got Ableton Live Lite. That was, I think, Ableton 9 at that point in time. And it was, you know, the light version only lets you have like eight tracks and like a certain number of effects and stuff. And because I didn't know what I was doing, I was fine working within those limitations. I never really hit the walls of those limitations until actually the last track on Bloom, which is Space. And so that whole time was just like experimenting with sounds. And so the first track home, like the whole album is in chronological order. So the first track home was just, I plugged in my guitar. I was messing with delays and reverb and was like, Ooh, this is a cool sound. Let me see if I can get like a loop thing going. And I had the feedback turned all the way up on the delay. And so it was just like playing with the feeling. And so there's there's lots of times when you're making music and maybe you're going for something 
And so you're just like throwing different things at it to see what sticks. And then there's other times where the music is telling you where it wants to go. And so a lot of Bloom was that. I would have different sounds and be playing with it and see what I liked, see what I didn't like, and figure out where I was going. And there's some tracks on Bloom that I I definitely was going for a sound. So like Swamp, for example, it's like the biggest one that I was like, I have all of these tools. How can I create this feeling of a swampy type sound? And I feel like I did that. But yeah, that was one of the first tracks where I was like, let me see how to make a sound and create that feeling. And there's there's different ways of achieving that of like the types of instruments that you're using, the types of sounds, what what does this thing evoke? And so you kind of asking the question of like, how do I get a certain feeling from the listener? How do I evoke this feeling? And what we're kind of doing as music makers is we're trying to communicate without words. We're trying to communicate with sound and with feeling and the ways in which we do that is incredibly creative. That's why it's such a like unique and interesting medium because anyone can make something different and say the same thing, but in their own unique way. And so how we're doing that depends on who you are, what tools are at your disposal, what you know, what you're feeling on that day, what you're thinking on that day. If you listened to a podcast or a, uh, watched a, a YouTube video where someone tried something different on in Ableton or something, then like, yeah, it's everything kind of informs that. And so with Bloom over time, I was just like, again, playing with the ideas of like, where am I going? What is this sound that I'm hearing? Ooh, I like that. What else can I layer with that? What else will go with it? What else might not seem as appropriate, but still kind of work? And so it's it's listening to yourself, listening to what you're feeling from it, and listening to what other perceptions of what that might be as well. And so how how do you create a certain kind of sound depends on also what other people think that might be as well. And so if I'm, if I'm trying to make a, a swampy sound, for example, I may not use super bright sounds because the perception of a swamp is that it's dark and gross and wet and so these sort of words that we always use to describe types of sounds is is one of the biggest hurdles in making music because we we have all these words we know what we think we're feeling but how do we apply that to the stuff that we're making and so the very simple ones like bright and dark are just like okay well bright might be higher and dark might be lower and then going from like a frequency perspective, it is like bright is, you know, higher frequencies. So you might go up above 
10K or something that adds a lot of air. Or if you want it to be more boomy, you might be in like the 200, 100 range. And so like all these sort of things that we use to describe sounds, that's really just one perspective in it and just like the frequency perspective. But then there's also instruments and the types of synths that you're using and how they move and all of these different concepts within music that like you can really break down and go, how can I do this thing from this point of view? So yeah, it is, it is anything and it's everything. And that is kind of the, the nature of, I mean, I, I got a master's degree in music composition and that is what a lot of it is, is kind of breaking down all of the different ways in which you can achieve something. And so we always talk about like the composer's toolbox and it really is just like, what methods and skills do I have in my toolbox to be able to pull out whenever I'm hitting a wall or something or trying to achieve something. And one of my favorite things, uh, quotes from Victor Wooten, who's like quite possibly the best bassist in the world right now is that he said that like, if you're using music theory, when you're improvising, you're not musicking well because music theory is just a tool to help you solve a, a problem in a certain harmonic context. And so you can't just be playing around and messing around and trying to think too hard about the music theory because then you're kind of pulling yourself out of the experience. And so you want to be familiar enough with the concepts to be able to kind of apply them on the fly. But if you think too hard about it, you're also kind of going to get stuck because then we, we get with these concepts of like what's right and what's wrong or this doesn't normally happen or you shouldn't do this and you should do this. And while in some cases those are good if you're trying to like follow a guideline, if you're going for just like pure creation, those shoulds and shouldn'ts are going to stop you in your tracks and you're going to, you're going to stop enjoying it. (laughs) And so, yeah, it, it takes a balance of these, you know, heady academic concepts to be able to solve problems in music making, but not so much that you're losing the initial feeling that you're going for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's pretty, uh, that, that's probably one thing that I would want to learn. It just because as I mentioned, I've just been playing it by ear. Um, uh, and it's been really fun, but I do find myself sometimes wanting to uh, create a certain sound or a certain melody, but just I will get there, you know, eventually. But it's just like I think those tools, you know, like music theory might make me get there quicker or I would understand it. And that's something that I've been wanting to do more is just to at, at a very, you know, uh, 
not a superficial, but at, at a level that I can, you know, sort of be even better producer by un understanding music theory. Like, I, I think I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but I feel like there has to be a plateau to my creativity at some point in which I'll be like, hey, I think to go any, any, any more higher than this, I might have to, you know, either learn music theory or do something different than what I do. And, you know, um, I think I want to like, uh, curb that, that, you know, uh, I don't want to reach that plateau. I want to actually, you know, uh, prematurely start learning <laughs> just with the, the fear of it, start learning, but something that I've been guilty of and I've completely thrown it out of my book is this idea of you need a certain thing or a certain software or a certain beat machine to make music. I think that annoys the shit out of me, to be quite honest. <laughs> and because, and, and I was guilty of this is like, oh yeah, I need this MPC. Oh yeah, I need this, you know, uh, Omnisphere. Every producer uses Omnisphere. It's like 500 damn dollars. And I was like, I'm not paying that. <laughs> and it's just like, that 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 annoys me. I mean, there's, I understand it on the plugin level and the outboard gear level that there has, there is something with it. But if you are creative enough, I think you will do, you, you, you like, I've seen people on YouTube, uh, make an entire track with like a Korg monologue synth, like a little, you know, uh, monophonic synth. And they're just like, creativity doesn't equal how much software you have it, it equal you know it it's almost like the opposite of it what can you do with the tools that you have at your disposal like how can you like and that that's that's the mindset that I'm still battling with but that's something that I've realized is like hey instead of just buying new things I want to see if I can master a one instrument or one plugin or one DAW that I have. And then, you know, cause I've used, I've basically most of my music, I've used either the uh, Logic Pro stock sounds for most of it, cause they're good. I mean, and, and then I've also used uh, for mixing and mastering, I've used a lot of the Logic's inbuilt compressors, EQs, you know, uh, limiter. So I was like, if it, and that's another thing, right? I mean, it's just like when you go to mixing and mastering, you you come to a point where people are like, oh, are you using LA2A compressors? Like, um, come on, bro, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if it if it sounds good, I mean, the the shit the stuff that played on the radio uh, for the artists that I work with, uh, that was mixed in Logic Pro, but like you know, um, so you can get good enough sound. I mean, yes, over time I've learned a lot more than I did my first album. You know, certain things that I do, certain things I do with the reverb, certain things I do with delay. But anybody who comes to me now and be like, "Hey, uh, what, 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 uh, you know, what, what DAW do you use, bro? Do you use Fruity Loops or do you?" I mean, they hate being called Fruity Loops now. FL Studio. <laughs> yeah, was it? Do you use FL Studio? Do you like Pro Tools? Do you like Logic? Is like, no, I just make music. I don't care where I make it. That's I screw. I'm, I can make music with like clapping around the house and make music. That's not the point of it. But yeah, that that's something that. I would tell people, young, newer people, like, see, be going back to podcasts, the original, like, don't, don't get sucked into that kind of, hey, uh, I need to be using this specific thing to make music. Just 
you can make music with anything and that's something that i've learned and i'm not going to give up that that feeling or that that uh lesson like i'm i'm i don't care what and the same thing that kind of showed up in my most recent uh uh, uh i guess ep the instrumental ep that that is coming out soon it's just like i don't care what genre i am making i don't give a shit to be quite honest i don't when you remove um the the thought process of making something that's current and that's popular like your creativity goes off the roof like that when you just stop thinking that hey i need to make this a certain way like i like i started experimenting with like house music and uh started adding like weird saxophone in there and then bringing trap drums in there bringing um like my, now my beats have sort of become almost like it's subconsciously i started taking a very uh film type approach to my music in which everything has a beginning middle and an end sort of thing maybe it's an open-ended question at the end but i want to make sure that because in a movie and in life in general you know you go through you know um kind of ebbs and flows you know you're up and down you know so with my music, what subconsciously, like sometimes you don't have to think about, but you kind of in your head are making that even without thinking about it. Every musical piece of mine will have like three beat changes, you know, will have changes in structure, changes in BPM. Uh, just I wanted to capture the feeling that, hey, this is a story. Like this is, let's say there's one beat where I'm kind of talking, you know, I'm kind of thinking about my, my you know, like depression and then things that happened that made it better. And then now where I am now. So it's just like the beat sort of speaks to that. Like everything has a feeling to it. And whatever instrument that comes in that has the feeling of hope, that's what I'm going to put in. Is like, okay, now at this point, I think a little bit of hope is seeping into my life. So, you know, a, a nice little trumpet or saxophone comes in. So, yeah, f uh, you know, kind of breaking that thought process that hey you got to make something for and there here's another big thing you got to make you know making something for other people even if you don't enjoy it that that is gone in my head like i used to be very desperate it's like oh i need to work with everybody i need to you know i will still like try to find like when i work with artists i sit with them i play them my stuff i see what they like and then i'll build on that kind of thing but you know, making something that I'm not comfortable with or I don't enjoy myself has been completely gone. I'm only going to make what I like to make. And then, you know, like stuff with Thomas Sue, I love making that kind of old school boom bap stuff, new, new, new age kind of trap. But I like to sample soul records, so not actual records. I wish I could, but it's expensive to buy copyrights. <laughs> But splice samples of old, you know, like imitating old samples. Um, I'd love to uh, like do that. So I'm going to con continue doing that more. But individually, I've started, f f you know, just like I don't care what genre I'm making music in. I don't, I want to just experiment to see where this goes. And again, when you start doing that, you start loving the process so much more. You start like, okay, man, that 
even if the song doesn't come out to be the way you want it, it's just the, the the whole journey to making the song is just so exhilarating. It's like, man, I made something unique. And, you know, and that's what I've been uh, doing quite a bit more these days is just like experimenting with sound. And I think that's also one of the reasons I want to learn, excuse me, live instruments uh, so that I can actually add texture, just like I love the way you added, I mean, I've always been a fan of that sort of atmospheric guitars, like with a lot of reverb, a lot of delays. And that's what I said, I kind of reminds me of the shoegaze, post-rock, you know, uh, style. And I love that. And that's what something, uh, and you know, like I want to challenge myself is, can I make an entire EP with only live instruments and instruments that I can actually hand play without sampling anything? And that that makes you also, you know, giving giving myself that task also helps me musically be a little bit better than I was yesterday. Yeah, the it is a again, it kind of comes back to this balance thing of whenever you apply certain limitations, they might actually breed a beautiful or interesting creativity that you never would have thought of had you never really placed that limitation to begin with. And so this is what I sometimes call the the sandbox problem is if you if you just like open up whatever it is that you use to make music and you're like I'm going to sit down and make music and <laughs> a moment goes by and it's like what am I doing? Because the the sandbox, this ability to make anything can be paralyzing because you don't have a direction to go in. The whole world is at your disposal, but then it's, well, what, where do I begin? And so having the limitations come in to give you a, a guide to the flow of the direction that you're going that can, you know, instead of being in an ocean, you're in a river. And so the river flows in a direction and maybe it might have, you know, some side streams that come off of it. You might, you know, encounter a dam and flow into a lake, but there's a current. And so like, I'm taking this lake metaphor a little too long, but <laughs> the, the thing is, is that like, those limitations can help breed a creativity. And so, yeah, you don't ne necessarily have to have all of the tools at your disposal because really once you have the whole world available to you, it can be rather paralyzing. And so I think it's really interesting how you had this time in the hospital to be able to, you know, I don't have all of, I don't have a whole studio at my disposal. I'm here with my wife and I'm going to make the stuff that I can right here, right now. And that limitation bred creativity for you because you let go of the other stuff of like, well, since I'm here with this thing, I have to use it. Or since I'm here with this other producer, uh, we're going to do this sort of thing, or I want people to hear it in this way. And so I'm going to try and find a way to make it more popular. And without those limitations, without those limitations, you can actually make something else. So it's like 
there's a balance between creating limitations, but also getting rid of other limitations. Because yeah, when you're, when you focus on genre, you start worrying about like, is this what the genre means or needs or something? And I think more, more and more, every musician that I've talked to over the years through this podcast, especially like genre is kind of bullshit at this point. And the only thing that we really use it for is for selling our music so that people can know in some shape, way or form that this is what kind of is that I'm making. And so we have boxes and they help us to classify and understand each other to an extent. But then once you go a little bit deeper, you learn that like people contain multitudes. And so sure, you you can say something that like, oh, I make beats and that might bring up something in someone's head. It's like, oh, you know, there's a whole bunch of, there's a million and one trap producers. There's a million and one, you know, lo-fi producers, but it's like, no, I, I make beats because that's like the next closest word that I can use to describe this thing. But every single person is unique. And so like, yeah, you can call it beats. You can call them productions. You can call them pieces. You can call them compositions. And each one of these words might call something else to mind. Like I do feel like since I call myself a composer, that's, more of like an academic type perspective on making music and it like yes i am in a lot of ways an academic because i went to school for it but at the same time it's like i'm making music the same way that you are i still open up my computer and you know play electronic sounds and find what comes out or find a sample and mess with that or make a sample and mess with that. So it's, we're all doing the same thing, but we're not doing it the same way because we're all different people. We all have different tools that we're using going back to that thing. And it doesn't matter how much money you spent on your tools. It doesn't matter if you're using quote unquote, the right tools or, whatever it is, it's each different thing is going to give you a different range of areas you can explore. And so, yeah, I mean, like I don't use logic because I use a PC and that's also pretty like interesting in the music scene, just because not a whole lot of people use PC in music anyways, but like, okay, well, this is where I am and this is, these are my limitations, which are very different from what you're using, what your limitations are. And like I use Ableton. A lot of people maybe don't like Ableton because of its interface. And it doesn't really matter. It's just that like it's just another way of making music. And then there's straight up like other musicians that are just like, I just play guitar and I don't know anything about recording. I don't know anything about effects or pedals or plugins or whatever, I pick up my guitar and make music with that. And there's a whole level of exploration that can be within that and every instrument that you pick up, but like you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to pay a whole bunch of money because you are you. And as long as you can, you know, the fact of the matter is that like at least 
the limitation is that this is an audio medium. So like maybe you need to have a output file <laughs> that people can then listen to either on YouTube or Spotify or whatever it is. So like, yes, you do have that limitation. You have the limitation of that it takes a certain amount of time to listen to things. So like you can make a four hour long magnum opus that is exploring everything that has ever been in your life. But you do have the limitation of like not everyone has four hours to spend in front of a TV screen, Zack Snyder. So <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that like we do have those limitations really just in the medium. I don't know if you know about um, Marshall McLuhan, the medium is the message, but uh, it it is kind of like the music medium is, I guess, the way that I heard one person describe it as like, Art is decoration for space and music is decoration for time. And so how much time are people willing to spend with it? People listen to it with speakers. People listen to it with headphones. People listen to it in the car. And so these are things that we can all acknowledge that is a part of the limitation of the medium. But we should probably acknowledge those limitations as well. The fact that like if you have no signal and have not downloaded the songs to your phone, you're not going to be able to listen to music if you're out in the middle of nowhere. And so there is a certain time and place where people can and can't listen to music. And so those are the sort of natural limitations. But once you kind of dig in even further, there's this whole world of the types of sounds that you can make, the types of cultures that we haven't even explored yet. You kind of mentioned that like you're worried about the plateau that you might hit by not knowing music theory. And the fact of the matter is, is that like there was a time where I would have been like, you have to learn music theory. Everyone is using this and you have to know this to be able to make quote unquote good stuff. And that's kind of bullshit to me now because it's like you you can learn music theory if you want. It is a specific thing with which we make specific things in our cultural context. The fact that the first thing that you got to make music was a launch key means that you have a keyboard with white and black notes on it. And so that is already a limitation per se for what you can and can't make. Had you gotten a launch pad instead, which doesn't have the key layout and it's just a bunch of squares. I'm like looking at my launch pad right now. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to think about it necessarily in the same way that you think about it with a keyboard and the simply the shape of it is going to allow you to create different things than you would if you are using the standard keyboard shape. But yeah, I mean, it'll help. Like music theory will help you if you're playing on a keyboard, knowing what each white 
key is and knowing what each black key is and how many of them there are and why when you go to the left, it's lower, why you go to the right, it's higher, and then the combinations of the notes within. But it's also all built upon like 18th century Western traditional classic style. And so, sure, that's there. We have many centuries of people writing in that way, but we're somewhere else now. And so you don't necessarily have to. And if you push a whole bunch of keys and you like how it sounds, then cool. You like how it sounds. And so you don't have to know what you're doing. It, just because some people developed a system to classify the thing that it is that you're doing doesn't mean that that is what you're doing. <laughs> and so we know what a minor chord is, but it has different or it achieves different things based on the context. And so when you play a minor chord, when you're playing in a major key, it says something. But if you're singing a happy song that's all minor chords, that's also saying something else. And so the the limitations of what we know of 18th century harmonic music theory is another sort of imposed limitation that is similar to that of what DA are you using? How come you're not using an LA-2A? It's like, well, I don't have the time to spend to learn about a whole bunch of centuries of music theoretical knowledge in the same way that I don't have $3,000 to shell out on a freaking compressor or a limiter or whatever it is that the big guys are using, you know? So it is just like, do what you do. And if you want to learn about the different stuff, like do it, but also you don't have to because you're still making something the only way that you can. And that's, what's really interesting. So yeah, make it. <laughs> I went on a really long rambling right there, but yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah, just make it. I think I think this this kind of stuff also happens in the film side of things where, well, what kind of camera are you using? You know, what, what kind of... Uh, and so that, when I first started, that's what it was. Like when you go to, let's say, uh, uh, you want to go to a, a dealership. It's like, hey, we'll shoot your ad for you. You know, they look at your camera and they're like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm We're fine. But then when you take the same camera rigged out to be you know, like 12 feet <laughs> long. Yeah, I was just exaggerating. But, you know, you, you kind of go there with like a, a cinema rig looking thing. You just basically, literally, you just have the same, let's say a DSLR rigged up to look like a bigger camera. They're like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll let you shoot the... So, yeah, and, and that's, it's unfortunate because my mindset now is I'm not going to, you know, like just the same with music, I'm not going to, you know, uh, get suckered into doing something just because everybody else is doing it. Like I'll, I'll do it if I reach to that conclusion myself. It's like, hey, uh, I think I've exhausted all my resources digitally, digitally so I'm going to get a LA-2A. I'm going to spend some money to get that. But that has to be my own. I, I can't be like, hey, you know, that bigger studio is using that compressor. So I wanted, no, I'm not doing that just because 
um, yeah, I, I again, I don't have that much money to spend on things. Uh, I would much rather, if I was shelling that much money, I would go more towards the production side of things more than engineering side of things. And also, that also depends, you know, what priorities, what do you have, prioritize what you want kind of thing. And yeah, that, that mindset like opened up the creativity in me so much is when I just like, even if I watch YouTube videos on people that I do admire and they're using a certain type of, um, you know, a VST for a certain sound, I just see it as, hey, you know, that sounds pretty cool. Not like, oh shit, I need it right now kind of thing. Like I, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like two years back, I had that mindset. Is like, oh, I need that. If I just get that, my music will sound better. <laughs> Realize really quickly that you can make pretty, you know, cool stuff, but just stock plugins and stock sounds. And people like, you know, if again, if you like, for the average producers are gonna listen to your song, but predominantly people are gonna listen to your songs who don't dabble in music. Like, you know, so for them, they don't give a shit what you're making it with. They don't, they don't care what plugin. They're, nobody's like listening. Who's like, man, I wish this was an Omnisphere plugin. <laughs> so I was like, having that perspective just changed the way I make music. And, you know, cause as I, you know, like there's a, I think uh, you have to understand the rules to break them, to make something unique. So like for last two years, I've been understanding the rules of production as, you know, like, so how much I know, as much as I know now, I feel comfortable breaking them to make something unique. So, you know, yeah, there are rules, but I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to use all those rules. I'm just going to try to break them and see where I can go. And I guess that's when like real fun starts is when you're just like, Okay, let's just let's just make something weird as shit today. Let's see what how that goes. And you know, as I, as you said, you know, if you sit there and say I'm gonna make music, and it's just like you're so paralyzed by all these options. For me, it can't comes with you know I'm gonna just go through splice and something like really triggers my brain is like I really love that sample. I put that in, chop it up, build around it, and then by the end of it, sometimes I don't I don't even use the sample just because that sparked a creativity in me. And I really don't need that sample anymore just because I built something around it that's beautiful. So beautiful for me. I mean, you know, I'm sure some people might think it's bad music, but hey, that's subjective as we already established. <laughs> but yeah, so that's when the fun starts for me. It's just like, you know, and there are days I just, you know, I just don't, it just doesn't come. The creativity is just not there. there it also depends on, what you've been doing that day, how tired you are mentally, because I do work, you know, the usual, it's not nine to five, it's even more it's like seven to six. But it's just like, you know, it just, some days I'm making five beats in an hour and some days I'm making one in three days, just this, that's just how it goes. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it, those, those things are almost the same in the film side of things, just with visual, you know, oh, what? what coloring software are you using? Oh, what editing? So are you a Premiere Pro guy or are you a DaVinci guy? It's like, bro, it doesn't matter. I mean, as, as far as you're, and that's why uh, with this new film we're making, uh, we are going to start our own film festival in town. And uh, the idea behind it is there's always going to be that handshake club in every bigger festival. You know, there are people that are, you know, uh, preferred over others 
So we want to open it up to people. Oh, you shot this film with your phone? Does not matter at all. If it's good, okay. If it's shot with a potato with like 240p, we'll have issues with it. If it's if we can count the pixels, yeah, okay. There's something <laughs> we need to think about that. But if you shot it with a phone with an iPhone, and it's good, let's you know show it to us. Uh, we want to we want to see it, and then we want to show it to other people. So you know, creativity should not be murdered by tools you know it should be enhanced by positive reinforcement it's like hey do this do that you know uh, i like the way you do this and just because not everybody has the same tool set as you know as us because i work so i have a little bit more income that i can actually buy things but other people might not you know i can buy a, a decent dslr camera and i can shoot films in 4k this other person might not have the same tools but he has almost even probably more creativity than me so why why is why am i not helping him get to a point where he you know where he's like really where he's actually affording the tool sets that he needs to even make him make him or her even better than they you know they are right now so that's the whole st thought process is getting rejected by things in town getting ignored by people sort of fuels me to do more that's just what it what how my personality is just like oh you're gonna say no to me in this sense fuck it i'll just do it myself i don't i don't care you know that's that's just how my personality is so we are you know you know more than music i've been trying to sort of you know build the community build sort of uh, hey let's a community of you know like artists like hey you know um i have you know stumble upon people that want to take advantage of you. Like that's in every, you know, every industry, but it's just like, you know, that's, that's my, my, my goal would be to like, you know, just with the thought process that I have, the tools does not equal talent. I want to just like, see if I can make other people think the same way, almost like, you know, the creativity should speak louder than the tools used. So, cause you can see, you also see sometimes on YouTube, you know, you have just a drummer on the street, just killing it, you know, just like with, with buckets. And I was like, man, I have a drum set. I don't play this good. <laughs> it just like, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're passionate enough and you, you have the talent and you just practice, you can make bucket sounds better than a sonar drum kit. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I think there was a thing recently where like a, a guy in like some room had like taken buckets and like coffee cans and stuff like that and did like uh, a rush cover on drums and like it sounded really cool. And then the. I think like Mike Portnoy or someone like sent him a real like a really good kit. And so it's like, hey, look, like. You know, your work has been acknowledged even with the limitations that you have. And it's funny because whenever you said that, like, oh, even if like, yeah, maybe we'll draw the line if like it's 240p and we can count the pixels. But then I just thought, like, I can imagine, you know, if if you had mentioned David Fincher earlier, like if David Fincher was like, I'm going to make a short film with just like a flip phone from 2007 and I'm going to see how I can evoke emotions and feelings and tell a story with this potato of a phone. Like, it would be really interesting to see, like, how that limitation could create something else. And so it's like, even with some of the stuff that, like, I don't know, one of my favorite things is, like, 
questioning the premise and questioning the questioning of the premise. And so it's like, so what do you need to make a film? And it's like, well, it has to like, you have to be able to see what's on screen or something. And then it's like, well, could you do something with a 2007 flip phone or something? And, you know, probably back then people were making films in 240p. And like, you can look at the beginnings of YouTube stuff that was put out way back then that like people were making, you can say art with the the limitations that we had back then. And so it is super interesting now that like, you know, there've been films made with iPhones, for example. And so more and more so the theme that we keep touching on is that like the tools don't make the talent and that someone could totally like, make something really awesome with the bare minimum or, you know, just because you have all of these big tools doesn't mean that you're going to make something awesome. There's, there's so many times where like, you know, someone might have an entire crew with like expensive equipment and stuff, but like whoever the director is just like, doesn't know what they're doing or their vision is flawed or they're so worried about like what other people are going to think that even with like all of the money in the world backing you up, it doesn't matter because it's like at the end of the day, the talent or the skill in there wasn't available to fulfill what the tools really needed. And so, yeah, there, there are definitely times where like, I've seen it with instrumentalists that are like, yeah, I'm hitting the limits of this trombone. And so I need to upgrade and get this attachment that like I used to play trombone in middle school. So it's like whenever you press it, it's like six position. And so like you can do things a little bit better. And so it's like, yeah, once you start hitting the limitations of a certain thing, then it might be time to think about an upgrade but like there's still so much that you can do and kind of going back to like again the what I did with Bloom and what you did with with your EP is that like the the creativity was there first and then we're just going to find some way to put it out no matter what happens and so it's like well when I first started, I didn't know anything about music production. And so I have this guitar that I taught myself how to play and I'm just going to plug it in and okay. It looks like sounds are coming in. All right, let's see what happens here. All right, cool. I have this microphone and I know how to sing. And so let me see what I can do with my voice. Okay, cool. I have all of these sounds available in my DAW. What else can I make with that? And so one of the, things that I always try and like push back against is this idea of talent because I feel like talent is just the starting point on the race. And so there might be an end goal that different people are trying to get to. And talent is just where you start in the race in, in the same way that like privilege is sort of like, okay, well, if you, 
grew up with wealthy parents and you grew up in a nice neighborhood. You were born in the U.S. rather than in like Sri Lanka or something. Uh, the things that are at your disposal are different. And so what you're able to achieve might be really different based on who you are and where you are. And so like talent to me, it's just like, okay, well, cool. You grew up with like having a good ear and you can hold a tune really well. But if you like show up to the studio and people are like, Hey, did you practice the song that we were going to be recording today? It's like, nah, I was just going to wing it. People that you might work with would, will be like, all right, well, you're going to be wasting all of our time and like just trying to figure it out as we're trying to record because we're here ready to record right now. So like people always talk about in, in like music business and kind of business in general is like, if you are, it's like three things. If you're good at what you do, if you're nice and if you show up on time, if you do like two of those three, like everyone loves you. <laughs> and so everyone would love to work with someone who maybe isn't the best player in town or the best singer in town or the best whatever in town, but they're nice and they show up on time. And you know what? They're reliable and they do the stuff to a standard that like whenever you work with them, it's great. So you know what? I could get the best drummer in town or the best singer in town, but I like this guy more or I like this girl more because I really enjoy working with them more and they'll show up and they'll respect our time and we're going to have a great time together rather than someone who's going to like show up or be a diva, be mean-spirited, say racist things or say sexist things. And it's just like, yeah, they're good, but like, I don't like spending time with them. <laughs> and that is kind of where we see a lot of the times the downfall of like bands that more and more so it's become easier to make stuff yourself. And so if you don't have to deal with the unlikable people, it's a lot easier to just not have to anymore. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, he like he's an asshole, but like he's the only good guitarist I know. And it's like, well, you know what? You don't even need guitar anymore. You can like use a different synth patch in whatever DAW you're using, and it'll kind of make up for the sound of the guitar that you don't need. It's like, cool, we don't have to deal with assholes anymore. And so more and more so, we don't really need to deal with talented people as long as the skilled people are around that really want to develop and hone their skills, really want to work on where they're heading and know that they may not be the best person in the room or the smartest person in the room, but they're always eager to learn, always eager to adapt. And that's always much better to work with. And in the end, over the long run, you're going to see stuff way better from those people than the people who were born with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, you know, um, I don't know who said that, but it's 
Wasn't it the saying that, uh, not saying, just the gen general idea that talent will get you started, but hard work will make you successful. You know, it's just, and yeah, I love that idea just because I have dealt with people who are incredibly talented, but just not as reliable. So I've been sort of, you know, uh, forgetting, you know, just like I would much rather work with, as you, exactly as you said, much rather work with a person who's always there, who's reliable. You know, he may not be the best, but for me, he's the best in that sense where he's like a, a, a all around, you know, uh, good, uh, good person that is has talent, is hardworking, you know, he's not shredding the guitar, but he, he, you know, he can keep time, he can play the notes, he can do everything, and then is on time, is respectful, yeah, any day. And that, that also goes with, you know, almost like the place I work with, you know, like when I, my coworkers, I, you know, I enjoy working with those coworkers who are just nice, who are not using buzzwords every 20 seconds, who are just there working, doing what they do best, you know, as opposed to person who's sort of like a show off and is just mouthing some random stuff that even he or she doesn't understand. And I was like, man, yeah, I really don't want to work with you. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly uh, the thought process. And I'm, you know, I'm, it's like, I'm, I'm glad somebody else also thinks the same way. I was like, man, I, I, I felt like I'm just a weird dude. who's just like, doesn't want to work with difficult people even if they're talented, I just like, Hey, at the end of the day is, is my mental sanity. I don't want to be annoyed and I don't want to, because there were times when I wanted to quit music. I mean, I know I'm pretty young, you know, in music scene, I'm not young in general, but you know, it's just like, I want to quit just because like, man, I'm just, people are taking advantage of me. I, nobody appreciates uh, what I'm doing, but then what it came down to just like, Hey, you just have to remove those people that make you feel that way and work with people who make you feel good about what you're doing and who actually appreciate your time, appreciate your effort. And so that's also another huge change is I don't waste time anymore. You know, it's just like, hey, if I'm, I don't care if I'm not gaining something monetarily from you, but if I love working with you and we are, we understand where we are going and we are getting there together, I'll work with you, but if you are wasting my time, spend I'm spending hours and hours in the studio trying to do something, and at the end of it, it doesn't even amount to respect, you know, for me. Then there's there's no reason for me to waste my time on that, because you know th that's time I could have spent with my wife, or I could have spent making something that you know for myself that you know will that's much better than what I'm doing here. So it takes a while. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta get through all those, you know, musical heartbreaks to get to a point where you, you know, you're in a different, um, different mindset with your music. And I think I'm there. Obviously there's way long for me to go. I hope I keep doing this for a long time, but I guess, you know, learning those lessons are really helpful at a very early stage so that I don't do this because I would much rather people screw with me now than to have them come with me at a, you know, and screw with me at a larger scale if I ever make it. Because <laughs> I was like, man, that, then that's a lot more involved than just now, which is just a little bit of time. So I, I'm much, people who are going to screw with me, do it now, please. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to go farther, like five years. And then these people, you know, who are with me, uh, try to gain something out of, uh, you know, screwing me over and, you know, and, 
I'm another thing is I'm really patient guy. Like I'm possibly too patient, like to a fault. Like I will sit through eight hours if you bullshit and not say a single word. I'll just say, cool, you know, this is how it goes. And I think that's what um, people have noticed too. And because coming, to, you know, coming into an industry that you have to actually, because I've always been paid, you know, monthly salaries, weekly salaries. Coming to an industry where you have to talk about money, just like, hey, this is how much my service is worth. It's very hard for me. It just like, it's almost feels like confrontation. It's just like, you know, and for longest time, I wouldn't talk about it. And that's also my fault in a way where they assume that it's just, everything is just free, you know, just free for all kind of thing. But, you know, and they see through you with that stuff. If you're not confident in what you do, and if you are sort of not timid, but I'm, I just don't like confrontation quite a, at all. And so at some point I had to remember that it's a music business and it's, you know, music is a huge part of it. I love doing it. And I wish, you know, and someday I'll make decent money to live off of it. But, you know, like, but you have to have that, you know, that tough conversations with people. So they understand that, Hey, you know, this, I love doing this, but I'm also trying to make a living out of this. So, you know, because uh, a lot of people just think that because I'm new, free for all, you know, it's just like he's, he needs exposure and I fucking hate that <laughs> word, exposure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I'll just have him, you know, do whatever the, whatever the hell I want him to do kind of thing. And I've sort of, again, this last few weeks have been like, change, like, you know, mentally I've changed a lot with that, you know, whatever happened. And for, for the, for the, you know, for the, for the good, you know, so I've been, it might not be good for people who want to take advantage of me, <laughs> but it is good for my own mental being is, you know, uh, mental sanity is just like, I only do things that I love. And, you know, like if, if, and I know I'll find people that have the same ideas as me and want to work with me. And, you know, I would much rather spend time with four people that are reliable than to spend time with 20 talented people that are just nowhere. Just just not wasting my time. They're not reliable. They don't show up on time. They waste my time. I was like, yeah, I would much rather just spend time with those three people. And, you know, that that's all. Uh, that's enough for me to enjoy what I do. Yeah, the... An unfortunate other limitation about the music business is that it is a business. And so a lot of the stuff does cost money. And so if you want to do it yourself, you got to buy your audio interface, you got to buy your microphones, you got to buy your DAW. If, if this is what you want to like, if that area is what you want to go into, you have to, or if you like, want to work in a studio like it costs to get studio time it costs to have a producer it costs to do all this stuff and so like yeah while we're talking about like yeah do what you want and like be creative and do anything it is also like these people have to get paid and it's like this is my rate and i do expect you to pay it and yeah we're gonna have to deal with that at some point and so it is a, a weird thing about American culture that revolves so much about money. And at the same time, there's like a lot of like ickiness around talking about money. And so I don't know, like, yeah, there's some people that are like, oh yeah, I have so many musical ideas and I just want a producer to like help 
make this thing happen. And it's like, all right, well, how much are you wanting to do? What's your budget? Where, where are you wanting to be? How long do you expect me to be working on this thing? And it's like, all right, cool. Here's the price tag for that thing. Sorry. <laughs> Cause I gotta, I gotta live off of this too. And I mean, I've been doing podcast production as well. Like I, I actually recently went full time with my own business. And so, yeah, sometimes it is kind of scary to be like, hey, sorry, this is my rate. And like, I know you want me to spend this much time on it. And if you want me to spend that much time on it, that's how much it'll cost you. So you are the one who sets how much you want to pay. But this is where I'm at. And so it is a scary thing for me, especially like knowing that I'm the one that has to like make the money for me. But like we have to do it. We have to live off of it or else like, you know, we can't live off ex off of exposure. We can't live off of passion. And so, yeah, there's a lot of talent and a lot of skill. And the phrase that kept coming up with, um, I was working with my friend's pool business for about a year almost was cheap labor isn't skilled and skilled labor isn't cheap. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you, if you do want to work with people, you got to know that like, there's going to be some money involved. And while it's uncomfortable and, you know, we're all broke musicians, <laughs> like this is a part of it. So yeah. <laughs> um, last thing. Shout out, I guess, like what you're listening to either locally or just at all. Uh, what are you listening to or watching or playing if you play video games that you want people to know about? Yeah. Um, uh, Indian hip hop has been coming up quite a bit uh, since last few years. And so I listened to one of my favorite hip hop producer and rapper in, in India called Prabdeep. And so that's what I've been, he just came up with an album and he made like an album album, you know, like he thought about transitions between songs and this and that. And with rap, I have an issue with uh, speaking a lot, but not saying anything. And, you know, if you know what that means. <laughs> and so he does not, he actually talks about real things. And so just, uh, I've also been listening to Riz Ahmed. Uh, he's the, the actor and the rapper from UK. Uh, and, and, uh, been listening to Flying Lotus quite a bit. Uh, um, he he's somebody that uh, I didn't listen to as much. And uh, Massive Attack is like I'm getting into that trip hop. Uh, and so my my recent album has a lot of that sort of trip hoppy feel to it. To some of the tracks. Uh, and uh, watching uh, my wife has been watching Shameless uh, quite a bit, binge watching while she was under in recovery. And we have been, we started this documentary of evolution of uh, hip hop evolution on Netflix. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just trying to listen to as much interesting things as possible. I do come, keep coming back to hip hop quite a bit. And it's funny though, because three years back, I wasn't, I didn't listen to hip hop as much. I listened to, I still do progressive rock. Like Tool was one of my favorite bands. It still is. Porcupine Tree. Um, there's, uh, uh, Opeth and all that stuff. I still listen to him, but I think predominantly I've been trying to listen to more hip hop just because 
I wanted to understand production and, you know, like um, listen to producers like The Alchemist, uh, Ninth Wonder and all, just to see how they're making the beats and then trying to learn something and making it unique for myself. So yeah, it's just like a, a whole gamut of things that I've been listening to. But if you're Indian, if anybody's Indian on the on the viewer list, I think some of my friends will listen to this. Uh, listen to Prabdeep. Uh, his new album is awesome. And also check out the documentary uh, Hip Hop Evolution because it's pretty fun and it's cool. Yeah. How do you spell that, by the way? Uh, P-R-A-B-H. And then the last is the same as me, Deep. Cool. Yeah. Prabdeep. Yeah. 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 Uh, for me, I've been on this huge Ben Levin kick. I don't know if you know who Ben Levin is. He uh, plays guitar in a band called Bent Knee, but also does his own stuff. He recently put out an album with Adam Neely, who's a kind of famous YouTuber, jazz bassist, and they did a 24-hour live stream and made an entire album in 24 hours. And it's, it's not just that they made an entire album in 24 hours it's that it's a really fucking good album in 24 hours and then they did it again <laughs> and so we'll see when that one comes out because i think it's like being mixed and mastered right now but like yeah you can hear some of the like ooh, some of the vocal performances aren't like perfect or something but it's like damn the fact that they made this thing in 24 hours is like so fucking cool. So I've I really been enjoying Ben Levin's stuff and all of his content and how like simultaneously ridiculous and heartfelt it is and a lot of the visuals and stuff that he makes. He like does everything in Blender. And so a lot of like cool, weird, trippy 3D animations that are like so awesome. But yeah, I've been on this huge Ben Levin kick and I'm definitely checking them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but awesome. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Once again, plug your stuff. Perfect. Oh, before I leave, I have to tell you, this is my first ever podcast okay. talking about music ever. Like, <laughs> I have, this is my first ever interview on the artistic side of me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This was incredibly fun. Uh, my name is Sandeep again. Uh, I have an EP coming out. Uh, it's called Communication Board. And um, just because the name came from, there were, uh, in hospital, there's a communication board where the nurses write, you know, oh, the patient's activities for the day. I just kept staring at it. And that was the name of the album. Uh, it's coming out April 12th. Um, and it's going to be a seven song instrumental EP uh, made in two days. Not as cool as 24 hours, but <laughs> it's, it's the, it, I'm so proud of it. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, my Spotify name is Sundeep, it's S-U-N space D-E-E-P. Instagram and Facebook is Sundeep underscore productions. That's S-U-N-D-E-E-P underscore productions. And my website is sundeep-productions.com. Yeah, I make films, I make music, I make anything that sounds cool. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so I guess by the time that people are listening to this, it's already out. So yeah, I have quite a backlog of guests. So yeah, go on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to things and go listen to communication board. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you so much. I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Sundeep. And now here's Going Under by Sundeep from his EP communication board, which is streaming everywhere now. Mm -hmm.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. I have an EP, a short album, that will be releasing tomorrow, May 28th. The music that you're hearing under my voice right now is from Soundbites. It's six instrumental electronic tracks that didn't quite fit into a major release. It'll be the first of many EPs that include stray songs, pieces, or recordings. Be on the lookout for that. 
and follow me on Instagram to stay up to date with all the stuff that I'm doing, both at bit.depth and at Santiago Ramona's music. If you like the podcast, leave comments on social media, leave reviews saying how much you like the podcast and tell your friends about it. I really couldn't be doing this without you and I'm very grateful to continue to do BitDepth for this long. Thank you so much for listening and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs>